Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hi friends, the world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. and thank you for listening to another bonus episode of Horror Movie Night. Uh, unlike our normal episodes where we sit and discuss a movie of questionable quality from the 80s and 90s, uh, today we're sitting and talking with Jenny Pisser from the newest of the Puppet Master films, The Littlest Reich. Jenny, so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. So... I was actually looking over your biography, and one of the things that jumped out at me is actually that you have your own production company as well, correct? Yeah, I do. Um, it's called Red Jacket Inc. Uh, Incorporated, or just Red Jacket. And we um, produce all sorts of things, but right now, specifically, what we're looking at are um, finding collaborations and finding female storytellers from producers, directors, um, screenwriters, um, and telling these women's stories. I mean, that's, I think that that's so cool. And you're, you've traveled like, like you've lived everywhere from, from what I can tell. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, I grew up, I grew up in Norway, uh, Oslo and, um, 
I lived there till I was about 17 and then I studied abroad. I studied in the UK. Um, I did my bachelor's there at Durham University. And then I went to Mexico. And that's when life brought me to LA. I never thought I'd be on the West Coast. My mom's from New York City. So I always thought if I came to the States, I'd be East Coast. Um, but, you know, life has a funny way of switching things around. And here I am. So let's talk about Puppet Master for a little bit. Obviously, it's a horror mm-hmm. podcast. What brought you to the Puppet Master franchise? Were you a fan of the films prior? Or was this your first experience really knowing about Puppet Master? Honestly, this was my first experience knowing about uh, Puppet Master and the famous puppets. I um, am a scaredy cat, so I always shy away from horror films, to be honest, because um, I just, I just, I lose sleep and have the worst nightmares. So puppets are sort of like the last thing that I'd ever want to think about coming back to murder people, because honestly, it's just scary. Um, but then when I got the script and I heard about this opportunity to work with not only a script that's written by Craig Zoller, it was incredible. Um, and working opposite Thomas Lennon and, you know, having these iconic figures like Udo Kier and Barbara Crampton and Michael Pare. I mean, it was a no brainer. I just was like, this is going to be so cool and so much fun. And indeed it was <laughs> insane, but really fun. Yeah, it, It's a truly stacked card of like <laughs> talents that just all somehow integrate it with each other for this movie. But what, what's your mind? Like, where does your mind go when you, you read this script and you agree to do this film, even though you're not like a fan of horror necessarily, and definitely not a fan of the idea of uh, puppets coming to life. And then you find out, mm. oh, there's 13 of these. And they're Nazi puppets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just sort of like one layer upon the next. Um, well, to be honest, when I read this, I, I, I read it as a sort of, it's a contained story. And it is so absurd and crazy and over the top that I saw it for what it was. I said, okay, this is, this is within this genre as hardcore as it could possibly get. There's going to be massive deaths. I mean, and, and I didn't even realize the extent to which they could go, but, but I already had started to watch films. Like I, I follow these Norwegian directors. Like, I don't know if you saw Troll Hunter yeah. by Andre Övredal, who's amazing, or Tommy Virkola, who did Dead Snow. Um, and it's no two. Um, so when I, when I read these, I thought, okay, they're going to have these really slashy, gory deaths of heads sort of exploding and blood splattering everywhere. And I thought, you know, I've never done anything like this before. Um, let's, let's give it a go. (laughs) And I have to say it was a tremendous amount of fun because when you're working on a project like this, you get to see the incredible special effects at all times. You know, you walk down a corridor and there's a mass of burnt carcasses. And the work that these people do uh, to create something that looks so realistic is out of this world. It's incredible. And suddenly I just get used to seeing like a severed hand or a head or, you know, different body parts. It was crazy. It was just sort of everywhere. And you start nerding out on, oh, my God, how do they actually do this? What do they use? What's the blood? What does it taste like? <laughs> All of these sorts of things. It's so cool. 
So did you end up uh, walking away with a favorite puppet after the movie was <laughs> over? Yeah, I'm a Blade, a Blade <laughs> fan, Blade and I. Yeah, I, I, we actually, Thomas and I have this really cool picture. I actually, I asked him if it was okay if I posted it on Instagram and I did recently. It's of us just after doing our little like sex scene. Um, we, we decided to just take a funny picture. So we both had like these little, you can only use fake cigarettes on a set. So we lit one up and had Blade in between us in bed. It's like, yeah, Blade is the coolest. Sort of very, French noir <laughs> with Blade. You know, you were talking about all these big name people that, that were on this movie between the writer. And I, I mean, I've loved Thomas Lennon since I can remember. Like he was yeah. one of the earliest faces that I remember seeing on Comedy Central as a kid. Was, was there like an element of being just kind of a little bit starstruck around these people? Or were you able to just kind of turn on the professionalism right out the gate? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's normal when you when you've grown up or when you've seen people on screen and suddenly you're walking in to meet them and play their girlfriend. Of course, there's a moment of of starstruck and that, you know, sort of is this really happening? But um, it really very quickly deteriorated. And he's the most charming and lovely, hysterically funny and brilliant guy. So it very quickly went away and it was, you know, let's get to work. Let's do this. He actually whipped me into the best shape I've ever been in. I would say we would go do yoga every day and <laughs> he's it's the best. He's just such a fun guy. What was it that made you want to pursue acting? Like, was it a bunch of films that you had seen in Norway or, or was this always like, if I'm going to act, it's going to be in America. Like what was, I'd love to know the origin story of Jenny. Uh, you know, honestly, there was never so much of a plan. I never sort of, I, I can't remember. I just had this vision of me like Stewie or something <laughs> sitting there being like, <laughs> I will act one day <laughs> in a horror film. Puppets. Um, no, I, I always love to perform. I just was one of those kids who any, you know, those annoying kids who always want to make a show. So I, my parents would entertain a lot and I would come in and be like, you know, do you want to buy tickets for this one woman play that I've just invented? <laughs> and they would all be very kind and gracious and they let me put on a show. So it would be, you know, vaudeville. I'd sing, dance, do a bit of everything. And I've always loved it. Um, at school, we actually didn't sort of have this formal theater department till I was about uh, 13. And uh, we had a new teacher come in and she announced that they would be holding auditions for the first ever play at my school. And it was to be Grease. And I will never forget that excitement of deciding in my head that, oh, yep, I'm going to audition for Rizzo. I'm going to give it my all. And I really want that role. And I auditioned and I got the role and it was just the best feeling ever. And just being part of a group and putting on a play, it was sort of the beginning of that feeling of, you know, I wonder if I could do this, but I was 13, you know, what do you, the, the leap from doing that to actually considering it as a career, you know, that was bigger. I just really enjoyed doing it. And I still enjoy really doing it and I hope I continued to do so <laughs> uh, but I've been really really lucky uh, along the way and, and and got the opportunity to work 
I guess you could say this is the longest possible way that I could ever say it. I've always, uh, I've always done it and always loved it. I just uh, took a few detours on the way, you know, <laughs> just studied law. <laughs> but I think a lot of actors studied law. I feel like um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a place, you know, you, you learn, you, you can learn the cases really well because we're always curious as an actor, you're always curious in other people's stories. So I was great at memorizing cases. And then I could get up in these sort of, interscholastic mooding classes and I could, uh, where you'd basically act as a lawyer in front of a jury or a judge and I'd be good at it. So I thought, you know, maybe I should be a lawyer. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's always, I'm always fascinated by like the job on the way to the career <laughs> that people yeah. take. Well, I do, you know, I entered, I remember I also, when I came out of law school, I entered, I sort of thought, well, maybe, I always loved writing stories, so I actually worked for a couple of magazines, um, online magazines. I think I did. There's one called Urban Daddy. Do you know that one? <laughs> I am not familiar with Urban Daddy, no. Well, they had a, like a Latino one called Manero in L.A., so I wrote for them for a little while. Didn't go on for that long. I wasn't that good at it, really. Um, but, yeah, I've done a few a few things. <laughs> so is there, you know, you've, you've done horror, which is something that you never really imagined you'd be doing. Is there any type of film that you haven't done yet, but it's like, it's on the bucket list. You really want to do blank. I think I'd really like to do sort of a drama comedy indie film along the lines of, I'm a really big fan of Greta Gerwig. Okay. She's sort of, I'd love to work with her. I really like her style, but otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm open. It really depends on the, on the people involved in the project itself. I mean, another horror, I'd love to do a horror film in Norway to go back to where I'm from and, and shoot something up North. I think it's, you know, it's talk about scary. I mean, you have all the, also all the mythology, you know, all the trolls and there's a, especially in the winter, there's so little sunlight. So there's the darkness element as well with the biting cold. I think it's a perfect uh, backdrop to great horror films. Yeah. I don't, I don't doubt that at all. Actually. I am always fascinated by the imagination that comes out of Norway, specific, specifically in the genre. It, yeah. They really are pretty creative, even though I'm not, in love with the dead snow movies, I really do appreciate how uniquely different they are than almost anything mm -hmm. else that came out at that time. Yeah. I mean, their sense of humor, but you know, also I'm half Mexican. So talk about horror. There's also the, the Mexican side, you know, from growing up with stories of the day of the dead and um, just ghost stories. Cause I would go to Mexico as a kid and everybody, all the kids would tell ghost stories as if, it was the most normal thing. And in Norway, that wasn't so common, but you know, I'd have a sleepover and they'd be like, Oh, if you have to pee in the middle of the night and you see the Colonel, don't worry about it. He's always there. Like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? He's always, who's the Colonel? What's what? <laughs> so I guess I wasn't exposed to puppets as a kid or so much horror, but now that I'm saying it, I was exposed to ghost stories, a lot of ghost stories. If they decide to to do a, a Puppet Master number 14, are you uh, going to throw your name in the hat? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I think, without a doubt, I think it would be a blast. I hope they bring, you know, some back some of the characters that, that 
unfortunately passed away in this <laughs> one, but <laughs> myself included. So, uh, I've seen. Summers could have a troll. I mean, a, a troll sister. I was gonna a twin <laughs> sister, but she could be a troll. I don't know. I've seen enough of these Puppet Master movies. They can absolutely find a way to bring you back in the movie as something <laughs> yeah. else. You don't see my my death that clearly, so I was like, yeah, you know. Could be, it could be like, uh, what was it, Paul Shear in, uh, I think it was Puppet, or not Puppet Master, uh, in Piranha 3D was supposed to die, and at the zero hour, his scene just ended up on the cutting room floor, so he just disappeared from the movie and got to be in the sequel. Wow. <laughs> well, it's a little too late for that. But you never, yeah, like you said, you never know. You never know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Go ahead and watch the other 12 movies leading up to this one. You'll see the same actors popping up as different characters all the oh, time. I have. I know. That's why I'm like, okay, come on, guys. Let's, let's put her in there. Did, <laughs> she used to be back. Did, uh, did Charles Band ever show up on set, or was he... I know that he had, like, a little bit of involvement in this film, but was it... Was he around Not on set? But I've seen him. He was at the, He was. Um, he was actually here. We saw each other at the L.A. premiere. Um... And yeah, he's been around. We've been we've been seeing him. He's a lovely guy. He's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, oh my god, hello, you've created this, and he couldn't have been more more lovely. It was kind of surreal <laughs> to meet him. We printed a bunch of shirts for Comic Con this year, and actually, Charles Band was the first person we gave a shirt to, uh, and it was a shirt of all of the puppets, and it said, "We're with the band." Oh, cool. <laughs> I want one. That is so great. I would love one. Yeah, he's such a you've met him then. Yeah, a couple times. Yeah, he's such a he's such a sort of soft-spoken uh gentle man. I sort of what well, at least in my experience and um you know, and he's creating these stories. I sort of I don't know what I expected. Um he doesn't strike you as a guy who wrote 12 movies about killer puppets, like, no, at all. He does not. <laughs> like, or maybe he does. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what does, what does, I didn't know what I, what to expect, actually. I mean, I guess, you know, it would be too obvious if he, like, came dressed as one of the puppets. And like, oh. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> Where can people see this movie? I know that it, it's out. You had the LA premiere. It's available on a bunch of different streaming services and, you know, and everything. Yeah. I think it's still in select cinemas, but it's on VOD. So it's Amazon, iTunes, uh, Google Play, all the big ones, pretty much everywhere. And where's the best place for people to keep up to date with what you've been doing and what you have going on in the future? Well, I would say that's a good question. Probably my my Facebook page or my Instagram account. I tend to be pretty open there about what's going on. So my Instagram account has, you know, my IMDB link to it and you can see what's coming up. I got a couple of projects. I'm actually probably working with the Swedes, the the guys who directed Puppet Master are doing another movie set in Sweden, a horror film, <laughs> a psychological thriller. So oh, that'll be exciting. Easy. Yeah, that will be exciting. I'm excited about that. So more horror to come. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode real quick, Jenny. Everyone, go check out Puppet Master of the Littlest Reich. It's getting some really good reviews. I know my brother, unfortunately, wasn't able to join us on this episode, but he loved it. He said that it was his favorite of the franchise so far. So That's so cool. I'm so glad. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, we, that's awesome. 
All right. Well, thank you so much once again. And uh, we'll be back, guys, with a regular episode on Friday. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Hi friends, the world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Krayshawn's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.